Hello guys, and welcome to the very first episode of Bring On United, a podcast, a fan podcast, all about the greatest football team in the world, Manchester United. I'm your host, Connor Shelton, and I am joined by my co-host, Zach Roberts. Thanks very much for getting me involved, mate. Um, This is the first time I've ever really done this about United or football, so I'm looking forward to it. I I wish we were sort of starting it when United are actually good to watch and it wasn't going to be probably 99% negative, but obviously we've had some good news today, so it's probably the perfect day to start a new podcast about it. Yeah, the sun is shining here in England. You know, it's a nice warm day. We don't get many of them. And we got some brilliant news around 11 o'clock today that Eric Ten Hag, it was the worst kept secret in football, but it's officially announced now he will be the Manchester United manager starting from next season on a three-year deal with an option of a further year involved. So yes, it's finally happened. It seemed for so long it was going to be Mauricio Pochettino until about three weeks ago when the news started creeping out that the Dutchman was in front and it's finally happened. Uh, What are your initial thoughts on it, Zach? I'm excited. I mean, I think at the moment it's difficult to get over the top excited with United just because of the state that we're in. I mean, I think back in the day when we'd announced new managers or new signings, you'd sort of be, you'd be out on the piss a couple of hours later celebrating. You'd be going on about how we were going to win the league and the Champions League. I don't think that same feeling's there now because I think we're recognising we've got a massive rebuild job going. It's going to be a, a massive task for him. We're probably knowing that most of the squad He's on the chopping block. There's going to be a lot of differences by August, so who knows what to expect. But I think it's good to just finally get it announced because a lot of the time with sort of United in in the modern era, we've left these decisions till late. We've not made announcements until right at the last minute. And you end up not giving people time to make decisions and, and sort of come up with with ideas for the club. And obviously getting Tan Hag in now, we've still got five games left of the season. I'm sure he's going to be focused on Ajax and watching that, but he's also going to tune into our games, I'm sure, watch every single one of those. And he can already make him, be making those decisions. Who do I want to keep? Who do I want to sell? So it's just nice to see us get the job done done nice and early, really, and to know that from day one of the summer transfer window, we're on. Tan Hag's going to be here. His staff's going to be here. Ranić's going to move up to his place in the board and, and we can start thinking about next season and getting the rebuild going. Yeah, uh, exactly. I mean, I, I bet some of these players hope he doesn't watch too much United because he'll see how shit they are. I think they'll be hoping he didn't watch on, on Tuesday now. I, I wish I didn't. But yeah, <laughs> I, I'm excited too. Um, you know, prob- I probably was more of a Pochettino fan just because of the, the familiarity with him. I know the good work he did with Tottenham, you know, he, the football he played. He's just a nice bloke in general as well. You know, I know a lot about him. But I'm not going to be an expert here. You're like some of the people on Twitter, like, oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a football expert on Ten Hag. I've watched uh, Champions League Ajax. I mean, their group stage, they, they were blowing teams away. I mean, they, they went to Dortmund, you know, they beat them twice. I think they won Absolutely. all six games. Um, and of course, you know, Dutch managers, though, they've not famously worked in the Premier League. I think of um, uh, De Boer coming from Ajax with all them titles to Palace, four games in. He was out. Van Gaal, I love the guy. He was a brilliant man off the pitch. The football wasn't brilliant, though. So it's not always worked, but I can definitely see this one working. Um, Like you say, I'm not getting excited. I remember when Mourinho was appointed, you know, thinking, oh, my God, Jose Mourinho, thinking all the stuff we could do with him. Um, Van Gaal, you're like, after you thought it was just a blip with Moyes, you know, all them years ago, which is scary to think it's been, what, um, 
eight it's years since Van Gaal. Gaal yeah, eight long, years. Eight years ago, we we hired Louis Van Gaal, which it's scary to think that. Thinking, oh my god, yeah, Dutch miser. You know, I watched that World Cup. You know, he got to that third place with that very average Dutch team, and the excitement began again. But this time, I'm much more tempered, Matt, because I'm older. Uh, but I'm going to be watching this season. You know, um, I'm excited about it, but. I'm ready for this to take time. Like you say, we've got a massive, massive job to be done. I, I don't recognise this Manchester United team. Um, but he's excited to come, obviously. He apparently was uh, touted by some German teams. But if you look at the teams that were touting him, RB Leipzig. I mean, if if he said no to Bayern Munich and said yes to us, I'd be like, wow, yeah. But he was saying no to uh, RB Leipzig and this like. So I don't think we should yeah. read too much into that. No offence to them clubs, but... Um, I just wonder how much a role Ralph has played in this because, as we know, uh, back uh, when Oli Gunnar Solskjaer was sacked, there was talk that Pochettino might have even come in then. He still had his, uh, he was still held in high regard up until what three weeks ago when this news started to leak about Ten Hag. So I just wonder what role um, Ralph Ramrick had in this because it's he said from the start, I think it's being in the paper, it's being in the press that he's such a huge fan of Ten Hag, you know, what he's done, his football, the way he works in a club. Um, so yeah, and what do you think? Do you think Ralph's? He, he said he's not had a say at all in this manager, uh, managerial choice, but surely he'd have given his thoughts to John Murta and Darren Fletcher. And what do you think of that as well? Them two picking this manager this time. You know, Edward Wood's finally gone. Thank God for that. We won't ever have to hear his name again, hopefully. Um, Richie Arles coming in, just giving it full control to John Murta and Darren Fletcher, who have been getting stick. But, I mean, this is their first real choice. This is their first real sort of stink at going at it. So what would you think? Yeah, look, I think... I think the club is slowly changing in the right direction. I don't think we're ever going to fully get there while we've got the Glazers in charge. And, and look, I'm not going to go off onto that sort of rant because I think that's a whole different podcast for another day when we could talk about those lot. But we are making some more in-house appointments, some, some younger people, some people who are more knowledgeable about, say, football than just like banking and making money. So you'd hope that these people having influences is going to help us make a better choice. I think on Ranić for certain... He's obviously very influential at the club. I think a big part of him coming in as interim manager was the fact that he was going to move up to the board for two years after he'd done. So he obviously has a bit of a say. And, and I think what I'd like to think is, given the fact that he's been working so closely with these players and he's seen the dire state that we're in. I mean, in all fairness to Ollie, he almost managed to hide it. He did, you know, in my opinion, such a good job last year to hide it. Ranić has really seen the the shit side of this United team now, hasn't he? So I think of everyone, he'll he'll know when he was looking at managers, okay, who is most likely to get the most out of this absolute state of the team. So look, I, I find it hard to think that he's not had a say. I guess the interesting question is may, maybe he thought there was a tiny part that maybe he'd get the job. So they didn't sort of bring him into it because he was a candidate. But I think we all sort of realised pretty quickly that wasn't going to be the case. Um, nothing against him. I, I think he's... Obviously, a great bloke knows his stuff, and there have been some good performances under him. But in general, it's not been good enough. Nothing's really worked. We seem to change tactics and formations every couple of weeks. The, the, the players just aren't ticking with him, so I don't think it was ever going to be him. But I suppose maybe there is a little bit of truth around him not getting too involved in the managerial search because he was a candidate. But you know, I, I guess it is just one of those. We're only going to find out in time if Tan Hag was the right one over Pochettino. I mean, I, I like you, was a, was a fan of Pochettino. And I also thought going into this rebuild project, he wasn't the worst option, given the fact that 
essentially that's exactly what he did at Tottenham. He didn't turn them into this title-winning, trophy-winning team, but he built a team that consistently finished in the top four every year, which in the Premier League nowadays is pretty impressive. You know, even even Liverpool have only just started getting into the Champions League. They spent years out. The only real ones who have been in there every year for the last sort of decade or so has been City. Everyone else has spent time. Chelsea have been in the Europa League one a couple of times. We've been in the Europa League more times than I'd like to think about. <laughs> Liverpool were stuck in there for ages. Tottenham in the Conference League now. So what Poch did at Tottenham with very little money, especially when they were building the stadium, was, was certainly impressive. I think... And, and I started to argue this with some of my mates when, when the Poch news was, was coming out and I was trying to say I liked him. But what a lot of them pointed out to me, and I think they have got a point, is we're seeing at PSG, I suppose, he's maybe not the guy to come and deal with the big characters. It, maybe it's overwhelming for him coming from Spurs where you've not got a load of massive personalities to go into Messi, Mbappe, Neymar. And I suppose at United whilst you wouldn't think it looking at us on the pitch, we have got a lot of world-class players with definitely world-class egos to match. So maybe it wasn't the right choice, but yeah, we'll, we'll never know now, hopefully, because hopefully Tan Hag's going to come in, he's going to be here for 20 years, we're going to win everything and we're going to be back. <laughs> exactly. We, uh, we can dream. But you bring up an interesting point there about uh, Pochettino not knowing how to deal with them sort of players, you know, he's Neymar's, he's Messi's, and Mbappe's, and he... He was almost forced with them players in some ways. Reports coming out now, he's not being happy with the transfers. But we don't know that about Ten Hag either. And from what I've been hearing and listening to from different people who who know him a lot more, you know, in Dutch, in Holland, you know, the Dutch journalists. I mean, he's never had about Ajax. Yeah, he's managing the biggest club in Holland, and there's obviously about huge expectations. He's got a great structure around him. Edwin van der Sar, the perfect CEO, you know, a football man, but also a businessman. Uh, he had Mark Overmars, and I think, obviously, when he was sat, it sort of wobbled a bit. But he's never really had that experience of dealing with uh, a Cristiano Ronaldo, a Bruno Fernandes. Absolutely. Uh, so there's that valid criticism, but you, know, you you don't know until you do it sort of thing. So, But his philosophies, his way to play football, his ideology on youth, I mean, it also is perfect for Manchester United. That we know, but this is a completely different Manchester United at the moment, and it's it's so toxic, it, it's so shit. It's just I don't know how to describe it after uh, these last few weeks. I mean, after that Tottenham game where Ronaldo scored that hat trick, I mean he scored a hat trick the other day, and you're thinking, right, we're going again now, and then to lose four 0 no performance. I don't know what to talk about that game. We're not going to go back on it, but he's got a lot to sort out. So. I mean, there's fans on Twitter and stuff, and you, we, you know, we shouldn't listen to football Twitter, that's what they call it, you know, all them people with Paul Pogba's uh, profile picture, um, yeah. thinking, or even, you know, the big fan cams, you're going, oh, if he doesn't get rid of 10 players, and you're still, it's like, what football club can just get rid of 10 players like that? I mean, let alone Manchester United. Yes, we're getting football people involved with Darren Fletcher, John Murto, hopefully Ralph Ramrick in the summer. We still don't know what his role is, but hopefully with Ten Hag, he'll push for him to have a big role at the club. Um, because he, Ralph's almost been like an independent advisor. You know, he's coming, like, done a stock check and just realised this is a fucking mess. Um, I, I think that's been so good. Like, cause, like you say, Oli did such a good job of hiding this up until... Again, they threw Mourinho under the bus, they threw him under the bus. I mean, the nicest man ever uh, they threw under the bus. So Ralph's coming, he's just done this stock check and realised this this kitchen's on fire, basically. Like, it, it needs to be rebuilt. And I think that's been so good to, and so refreshing hearing his honesty, you know, about everything. Like, the other night he said, we need Absolutely. to up to 10 players. But, so, how long do you think it can be, you know, how... 
hell are you giving Ten Hag, basically? I know it's a horrible question to ask you. I'm not saying, oh, if he's not doing that in two years, we sack him. But how long do you realistically think this could be? And, you know, fans do need patience. I'm here to say, be patient with this guy. Like, with the football club we're building, you know, Ralph criticised our strat- uh, a scouting, um, which we've all known for a few years now has been shoddy and shocking. Like, when you're missing out on people and there's reports coming out, they've not really heard of Nkuku. I mean... All you need to do is watch BT Sport and the Champions League to hear and Cuckoo. He's scoring like four goals a game. And it's stuff like that. And they went the day after he openly criticised them. So there is change coming, but this isn't going to be an overnight job. This isn't going to be a parade down Deansgate next year with the Premier League and Europa League. You know, we, we can dream. We can dream. But <laughs> this is going to be two or three years at best. Like, best case scenario, we might finish fifth again next year. But as long as we've got a harmonious club you know the players are fighting for that shirt you know not doing what they did the other night and just giving up the, we've got nice young hungry players in you know say what you want about Fred McTominay if they'd been playing the other night they'd have been putting tackles in they wouldn't have been waltzing around that park you know so that's the sort of players we need and hopefully we're, we're now on the right track but what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, the biggest one more than anything, more than league position, more than trophies, is I just want United next season to to be enjoyable to watch again. I just want to feel that connection, that love that I had with the squad last season. And I know if anyone neutral is watching, they'll think that's a very defeatist attitude for United. You know, we didn't win anything last season, but you felt a real connection with the players. We all love Bruno. Cavani became a cult hero. Maguire and Lindelof and Wambasaka and Shaw were solid across the back. You know, we were just having a good time watching it. We were enjoying it. You know, we we put like seven past Roma in the semi-finals of the Europa League. We beat City at their place. We knocked Liverpool out of the FA Cup. We we just had fun. And ultimately, as a football fan, that's the most important thing for me. I just want to enjoy watching my team again. In terms of getting back up to where we want to be, I mean, look. It, it, <laughs> The tough thing now is how far City and Liverpool have flown ahead, I think. Realistically, they're miles ahead of everybody else. We can't expect Tan Hag to get there next year. I don't even think we can expect them to get there the year after. I think it's probably going to be a case of we don't catch up with them until either Guardiola or Klopp leaves, rather than us actually catching up with them. Maybe we'll have one season where we overtake one of them because they have a, a ship on like Liverpool last season, but I can't see us actually becoming a better team than either of them for a very long time. I'd also then put Chelsea in that sort of bracket. Nowhere near those two, but I still think Chelsea are a long way above everybody else. Do you think so the we... ownership there could affect that, though? Uh, so are we, are we, I know we're, we're a million miles away from them, too. I'm not even going to think about them, too. But, you know, you Chelsea, you Tottenham. We're, we're in a Tottenham-Arsenal sort of, like, yeah. us three are there. Chelsea are the next ones. But do you think the ownership and what's going to happen there could destabilise that? And we can. that's, that's the hope of just... Right, we're miles away from them, but we we can reach Chelsea levels sooner rather than later. Yeah, well, I mean that's that's going to be the interesting one over the summer. Obviously, players like Antonio Rudiger, who've been massive for them, suddenly going out of contract. Maybe we could even try and steal some of them. But yeah, I mean they're they've arguably, I'd say, under this period, hit their peak with the Champions League last season, and now as a result of this ownership they're struggling you know that they, they are you know they could win the FA Cup still this season and they'll get top four and it's still a very good season but they're they're going to struggle to maintain it if they're not bringing in new players and if players who are running out of contracts aren't being able to sign you know sign back on so I'd expect in the long run again will it have a massive effect next season like directly 
I suppose if Tuchel stays and they keep most of their players, it, it shouldn't affect them too much. But yeah, as you say, if this is something that drags on and drags on, it's going to become more of an issue. You're going to get players unhappy, players wanting to move on. So Chelsea is achievable. I wouldn't necessarily expect it next season, but definitely could happen. You know, it's football, it's football. So, but for, for me, it's about fighting for that fourth spot, I think, first. You know, when you when you say, how long does this rebuild take? The, the big two about trying to drag away from, I think, is Arsenal and Tottenham. There's got to be a distinctive gap between Manchester United and those two clubs for me. And it worries me that there isn't. You know, and look, that's no disrespect to those two as teams, but we're a financial powerhouse of football. We're also one of the biggest names. We can attract any player in the world. I mean, we pulled Paul Pogba when he was at the top of his game, winning Serie A's and playing for France, to come and join us when we were in the Europa League. We did that with Zlatan Ibrahimovic too. We pulled Cristiano Ronaldo in when we hadn't won a trophy for four years. You know, we're, we're a massive club. We've got to get back into that sort of top four bracket, I think. That's that's the most important thing. But as you say, it could genuinely take a long time when you look at this team. I mean, I think the odd thing is, is thinking how quick this demise has happened. I try and look at this team and think, most of these players in this squad were here last year and they were playing okay. So in a, in a perfect world, Tan Hag could come in and get everybody ticking. Luke Shaw playing like he was last season, Maguire like last season, Bruno like last season. And in that case, yeah, maybe we could overtake Chelsea, Tottenham, Arsenal. I still don't think it'd be enough to catch Liverpool and City. But you could you could fight the third or fourth. But I think that's the realistic expectation now. I think talk of the title or anything is four or five years ago, the years away. Sorry, I mean I think we're I think we're miles off personally. I'd love to be proved wrong, but that'd be me. Oh, definitely. Like, I, 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 the nosedive of this team and how likeable they've become. Like, Gary Neville keeps saying, we, we were in love with, and you just said, we were in love with this team last year. Like, that European mm. final, that buzz, that, that anticipation. I remember fishing work, running down, getting into town, having a few beers. Like, the Corey restrictions were, were lifting a bit. I, I think yeah. back to Old Trafford in August. First game back in two years almost, walking down to Matt Busby Way at that Leeds game. Walking out, five one wingers, you know, the, the love. I just the the Newcastle game, Ronaldo. It's just like, how is it nosedived? How is it falling apart? How have they become so unlikable? There is a team there. There are players there, like you say, Maguire, Shaw. You know, people really nosedive this season, and it, you know, they're not bad players. They're not bad people. Yeah, people have the problems with Maguire, but they didn't last season when we were about to win the Europa. If we'd have won. People went, if Maguire were on that pitch, we'd have won the Europa League. Stuff like that. You know, exactly. It, I just, there's no answer to what's happened. I, is it players down in tools? But they wouldn't have down tools for this manager in Ralph Ramrick. Thought he'd only gone. But, you know, there's always that managerial bounce, like what will happen with Oli and Mourinho. You know, well, so, I thought this... I thought this sorry to... No, I thought okay. this when we watched Liverpool. Um, none of our three new signings started that game sancho didn't start ronaldo obviously wasn't available and Varane was unfit so that was the same team that last season beat liverpool 3-2 at old trafford same players no, no one different um but I, I, I think greenwood probably played obviously yeah. he's he's not here but un- understandable but a very very similar team how have we gone from beating them, knocking them out? Their strongest team, they had a couple of injuries, but a very strong Liverpool team at Old Trafford. We beat, we drew nil-nil with them as well at Anfield that season. The only time they beat us last season was when we weren't fighting any, for anything. So we just rotated. Like, we didn't care when they beat us at Old Trafford. Yeah, we played Leicester the day to... before. Yeah. 
Yeah, we just didn't care. And we've gone from that to losing 9-0 over two games to them with a very similar squad. I don't get how it happens. Like the, the, there's, there's dropping in form and there's players sort of being exposed for maybe not being quite as good as you think they are. But you don't go from that to that. This is this is ridiculous. This is unexplainable. There's a rot in the club somewhere, and we obviously it's at the top. But like you say, that'll be a, a separate episode, probably towards the end of the season. You know, when we see how these last few protests shape out and what the yeah. response are from the leeches. But if we move on to obviously uh, coaches and even just higher ups in the club. Uh, at a ballroom level with these scouts and stuff and how that might shape out. Obviously looking for a deputy director of football, whatever that means, someone to deputise John Mercer. I don't really get that one. But in the last few hours or so, people have been reporting about Paul Mitchell. Um, I've heard about his name before. Obviously he was cited with Ralph Ramrick at a, an under-23s game or a, an academy game at Old Trafford a few months ago. He's worked at Tottenham. He's worked at Southampton. Obviously that's where the Pochettino sort of link came in. Think, people think if we got Pochettino, we'd get him. But he, he appears to be friends with Ralph Ramnick because he actually worked at LB Leipzig as well. So people are thinking he might come in uh, with a scouting network or in a sort of role somewhere uh, there's going to be a lot of changes because that's what I mean uh, people are saying Eric Ten Hag wanted full control over everything Eric Ten Hag doesn't want full control over everything he doesn't have that at Ajax the reason he's succeeding at Ajax is because of the great stability and the great structure above him with Van der Sar and formerly over Mars so if we get that that's what we need sorted now uh, we've got a few good weeks so if that, the report's true about Paul Mitchell I think that's a positive step Obviously, we need to bring in a good scouting network, you know, not just yeah. FIFA football manager sort of style. Oh, yeah, um, I'm not saying Ronaldo, I love Ronaldo, but yeah. Oh, Ronaldo, yeah, get him, you know. So if we get linked with Lemondoski on a free this summer, I'm not going to be happy. Uh, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, um, we'll talk about coaches as well, but what do you think of a structure at the moment? Uh, are you happy with where things are going now with Ralph sort of just saying what a, a disgrace it is? Uh, I mean, being completely truthful, I'm not too clued up on stuff like structures. I, I tend to sort of just pay attention yeah. to the pitch and the direct coaching staff. But obviously there are changes being made, which I think is is important. I, I guess, as I sort of said at the, towards the start of the, of the podcast, I think ultimately the club is never going to completely change. We're... You know, until we sell up and move, we're still going to be very similar in our ways. We are, we're designed to make money at the moment. You know, our, our signings are designed to, to sell shirts. Our signings are designed to get people paying their TV subscription so the club get money. Like, I, I can't see us becoming this team that makes six signings who no one's heard of, who then go on to become world-class players, like sort of doing what, I don't know, Liverpool did with Andy Robertson and stuff like No disrespect to Robertson. I know people had heard of him, but... He had no right to go on and become the left-back he did. I mean, you look at Leicester when they won the league. Who were Riyad Mahrez and N'Golo Kante? You know, casual football fan, i never heard of them. Then, then they became two of the best players in the league. They won the Prem so many times. Kante's won the Champions League and the World Cup. So, so, so a good scout can go out and find players. I, I just don't know if we're ever going to be like that, personally. I, I feel like we, we always just seem to get attracted to the same names, the big names in football. We never sign them in the first window. We then sign them the next summer for double the price. I, I don't know. I, I'd, lo I'd love to be proven wrong. And I think, as I said, like Ranić, I think is a good step in the right direction because say what you want about him as a manager. 
you can tell enough from his press conferences. He's obviously very smart. He knows what he's talking about. He's well clued up on football. He's been working, obviously, at a at a board level before he came to United. He, he'd been out of coaching for a few years, so it's not like he's new to it. Sort of say like people like Darren Fletcher are. They're only just getting used to it. So it'll be good to get some experience up there. But yeah, I think it really is going to be one of those. We we want to sort of bookmark this and come back to it in a year and sort of say, okay, these signings came in, this was done, this staff was appointed. How did they do? Because it's got to that point. We see we feel like we've tried everything. We've tried signing young players, it's not worked. We've tried signing experienced stars and it hasn't worked. We've tried every sort of manager possible. We've tried club legend. We've tried best in the world in Jose. We've tried tactical master in Van Hal. It's not worked. It feels like it's so hard to predict now. I, I just, I'm just ready to watch it for a year and, and then judge sort of next season. Yeah. I think. No, no, I completely agree. So yeah, we'll talk about coaches. I, I find this one interesting because obviously we, we know he's going to bring his assistant from Ajax to be his assistant uh, at United. But then there's talks of bringing people in who know the club. Uh, Rennie Mullenstein's being mentioned, former coach uh, who worked with Nick Phelan and obviously Sarah Ferguson. And then there's talk of Robin Van Persie. And people see them quite like, yeah, them two seem really good. Oh, my God. I, I mean, but people took issue with Michael Carrick and Mick Phelan. You know, oh, the other club, blah, blah, blah. Kieran McKenna, you know, he's not proven. But uh, it's just like the hypocrisy of robbing my person, Reggie Mullenstein, when really Reggie Mullenstein might turn out to be a bit like Mick Phelan. Just there to, to know the club speaks Dutch. Robbie Van Persie knows the club, speaks Dutch, knows the area. There is said to be problems with Robin Van Persie because of Brexit, you know, that brilliant idea where a person who lived in this country for, what, 15 years can't come back in because he's in a different style of job. You know, you know we're going to lose about half of our viewers who, who voted yeah, Brexit now. Uh, They're going to be absolutely fuming. <laughs> no, I couldn't agree more. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, it, so he just wants to bring people in who know the club, which seems... Seems good, you know, he doesn't know the area, he doesn't know England in general, doesn't know the area, he won't know many of the teams either, you know, let's be honest, um, Luton Town might come up from the Championship somehow, uh, he's not going to Luton Town now, right, is he? So it's good to bring in them sort of people, um, obviously there was talk to Steve McLaren, that doesn't seem to be happening now. But he, he wants to bring these people in. Um, I'd be excited to see Robin Van Persie back on the touchline. But yeah, he's obviously wants to bring people in who know the club, which I think is important when you go somewhere. You're just settling the area. People you know as well. Uh, it's like a double bonus sort of thing to help you settling because people have been saying he's not a great great sort of person in the press. You know, and trust me, when he goes on this tour to Australia and Thailand this year, he's going to be in for an almighty shock. You know, Ajax... Um, huge in Holland and we've got fans around the world but when he goes down to Melbourne to play Liverpool and there's a hundred thousand people watching this game at the MGMM arena he's going to be like wow oh, he's 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 in the hottest seat in the world right now in terms of yeah. football that's for sure I mean every news channel if you turn on a news channel Fox Sports ESPN Sky Sports whatever their main story for the rest of today and probably tomorrow is going to be about Eric Ten Hag they're going to have former United players on Dutch players, Dutch journalists, you know, his face and name is everywhere at the moment. And, I mean, he, he wants to carry on with Ajax, but that's not going to be possible now, which I sort of feel sorry for Ajax. We have quite a few points clear, so let's hope it doesn't derail that. But, yeah, um, it's exciting. It's going to be a really fun time for the club. Um, I'm happy it's being announced, so it's out there. Players are now going to be aware. 
And one thing before we go on to a preview for Arsenal, because unfortunately we are playing again this weekend. Uh, Dommy van der Beek. Um, yeah, it's going to get a bit depressing in a minute. Dommy van der Beek. Um, do you think there is a chance of a revival for Dommy van der Beek at this club? Okay, so this is probably going to get me immediately hated on episode one. So maybe this isn't the best thing to say, because I know Donny has got a massive cult following out there between United fans. I, I wasn't a, the biggest fan of him when he made his sort of his spontaneous appearances when he was when he was at the club sort of before he went on loan. What I would say, though, is in all fairness, how are you ever supposed to get a good run of form going when you're only being brought off the bench for sort of 10 minutes here and there? I mean, we've seen from Jaden Sancho, it took a couple of months of consistent Premier League football, but he's now one of the most exciting, promising players in our team. So, you know, you've got to give people that chance. I certainly think he's going to be given the opportunity. I mean, we, we know managers have favourites. I mean, how often do you see managers move to a team and they'll bring a player from their old club along? I mean, I remember Jose bringing in Zlatan and they just sort of click like that. So there'll definitely be a chance for a resurgence. I mean... What what you said before, which I completely agreed with, was that we need to sort of get out of this idea of like a full sell everybody. We're not going to sell that many players and we're not actually going to buy that many players. Is that sort of central midfielder position a necessity? Maybe, because Pogba's going. But are there positions that we could do with signing players in more and therefore give Van der Beek a chance in that spot? I'd say yes. I'd rather see us prioritising signing a centre-back, a defensive midfielder, a young striker who will take Ronaldo's spot from the season after next, a winger to compete with Alanga and Sancho, a fullback. I think there are bigger priorities when you think that Van der Beek hasn't ever been given a proper chance. I'd happily see Van der Beek have a year in that centre mid spot. If it doesn't work, you move him on. But as we know, the best time of his career came with Eric Tan Hag at Ajax. He really clicked. He was such an exciting player. So yeah, you've got to give him a chance. There's, oh. there's no reason why it couldn't click, definitely. Uh I'm glad you brought up the Pogba thing because obviously Paul Pogba uh, looks like he's played his last eight minutes for Manchester United the other day uh, at Anfield before he walked off the pitch. Um, yeah. So with him gone, it's sort of, you know, he's he's one player less sort of thing. That's what I mean between him and Bruno. Like, and we do like to play. I'm not, you know, he can take that opportunity to be Paul Pogba's replacement. You know, Paul Pogba hasn't done anything electrifying consistently. You know, so it's not like Donny van der Beek has to be absolutely world class to even just fill into that spot. So you know, it's he's got a good chance. You know, mind you, who likes him, who loves him, um, who knows what his best attributes are. But my my concern is two managers have gone and coaches have gone. He's not that physically strong. Yeah, he's not got that thing in the Premier League. Um, he's I think he's injured at the moment for Everton but he did he was seeming to be starting at Everton compared to a uh, Dele Alli so maybe front up I've seen something in him maybe it's just because Everton are not so good of a team compared to us so yeah it'll be interesting to see it's an obvious thing you know people are going oh Dougie van der Beek you know let, let, let's see what happens uh, in the summer like you said I, I mean he'll probably did, will get a chance because we're not going to be bringing six uh, the ten players Ralph Ramrick said uh, I mean I'll, I'll say this I'll make a bit of a prediction now. I think whether or not he starts the first game of next season will be very sort of key. Because I think if Tan Hag likes him and wants him to play, he'll be straight in. Because he'll trust him from his time at Ajax. He'll get him involved in pre-season and he'll be there. If he's not starting that first game or two, I'm thinking it's probably not happening. I, I think it'll be a case of either Tan Hag trusts him 100% and gives him a go. 
or it's the same sort of thing that happens. That that would be made. That would be clip it, come back to it in a year. But but that would be my sort of guess. I think. Oh, most definitely. So yes, Eric the Red, Eric King Eric. Um, hopefully there'll be two King Eric's after five years at United. Him and Cantona will be neck and neck for being cult heroes. Maybe even three. Maybe Eric Bailly's times finally come. <laughs> I, I, I unfortunately think he will just be the king of memes. Uh, we'll always have the, the memories so. of him. But yes, like I said, this Saturday we have got another big game. We're going down to London. We're away at the Emirates to an Arsenal team who are as bad as us but seem to be getting results against good teams. Last night they were at Stamford Bridge and they won 4-2. I mean, they were gifted quite a few of the goals. Um, but yeah, before that they lost three in the bounce without scoring. Uh, oh, sorry, they scored once against Brighton. So it you don't know what you're going to get with this Arsenal team. Um, they feel quite similar to uh, Manchester United under Solskjaer in his first full season in charge, where we scraped forth on like the last day by beating Leicester. Um, they yeah. are a strange team. Um, they've got some real exciting players, Saka, uh, Smith-Rowe, Odegaard. But I wouldn't say they've got any world-class players in their team. I wouldn't say... I'd even partic- other than Saka maybe I don't think I'd really want anyone from the Arsenal team which is a strange thing to say because that's what I mean they're as good as us they're as bad as us they're as inconsistent as us uh, similar to Tottenham and we t- that Tottenham game was exciting um, so what are your thoughts going into the game uh, do we still have any pr- thing to play for as Bruno said we didn't do you think top four still a possibility uh, but uh, surely we, uh, before we go on uh Surely we can't see it was worse performances the other night. And now they know Ten Hag's my manager. They're playing for their futures, most of them. Yeah, OK. So I'll sort of try and break down yeah. sort of everything there. So I think, first off, in terms of like the difference when you say we're very similar, I think the big thing is is context. I think Arsenal fans have finally embraced the downfall of their club. We're trying to desperately cling on to this history that we've got. So whilst we're having very different seasons, for us, this is a terrible season. And for Arsenal, this is a great season. They're back. They're they're the closest they've been to where they were under the last few years of Wenger that they've been, you know, since he went. So that is sort of context. On paper, we are similar teams. I guess the big one is probably momentum. I think for them coming out of a win at Stamford Bridge away is massive. Obviously, we're coming off the back of being battered. But ultimately, yeah, we're two teams that were so inconsistent at the moment. Literally anything could happen. That You know, it's such a hard game to try and predict. Um, in terms of having something to play for, yeah, I, th- I think there's 100% something to play for. Because, as we've said, Tottenham Arsenal are so inconsistent. It's probably only going to take about seven to nine points to get that last top four spot now. You know, it, it is game on. I, I'm not necessarily saying I think we're going to get it. You know, sort of guns to my head, I don't think we will. I also don't think... I'm actually not even that bothered anymore because I just think we just get battered every time we're in the Champions League. So it's not even going to... It's not going to ruin my, my summer the same way that it used to if we don't. But we've got to at least compete for it. I mean, it'll make a big difference in terms of players we could attract in the window and stuff, you'd have thought. So I think it's important. But yeah, I mean... As you say, it's not a great Arsenal team. We could go there and win, but after the disaster on Tuesday, I know you say it can't get any worse. I don't think it'll get any worse than the performance, but it's hard to suddenly see us pulling out a really good performance away at a top six club. It's hard to picture it. My fingers are crossed, but 
but yeah, my, my hope's slowly running out this season. I think every time I, every time I seem to say to myself, top four's done, something happens, like Ronaldo's hatching against Norwich and Brighton beat Arsenal and Tottenham, and I think game on again. And I think it's going to be that for the rest of the season now. I, th- I could see us maybe getting a draw at Arsenal, losing to Chelsea and saying it's done. Then we'll beat Brentford and both Tottenham and Arsenal will lose. And it's just going to be this rolling thing. But I don't think we're going to make it. I- I'd say the season probably is done, but it'd be very defeatist to act like it when we're only three points behind. Yeah. Um, obviously, we- we're not still sure about Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, he did train uh, yesterday. I'm guessing he'll have trained today. Um, so we're not sure if he'll play um, I don't know who I'd want to play after watching them. I don't know who I want not to play. Sorry, I mean, some of them. I just think, why would you? Why would I want you out there again? Um, I mean, Alex Tellers. I don't. I, I'd prefer to see Dallow getting another run at left back if Shaw's not fit. Because I mean, the Norwich game, Tellers, his positioning for both goals was absolutely outrageously terrible. Um, absolutely. So, so I mean. It, I don't know what team I'd want to see out and play, uh, other than David De Gea in the net, probably. Um, anyone else? And obviously, I'd love to see uh, Hannibal get a few. I wouldn't want him to see him start. I'd love to see him a few more minutes because if he starts like he did against Liverpool, I don't think he'll be end of the game. Um, <laughs> he's, yeah, uh, well, he's got I, a bit of a fight. I texted someone today and I sort of said, and, and this is this is my last little hope for this game now. My, my last prayer to these players is that they've not been caring because they know they've been playing for a manager who won't be here next season. My last prayer now is that since we've got Tan Hag confirmed and they know that Tan Hag will be watching, maybe, just maybe for these last five games, they suddenly all go, oh, hang on, now we have actually got to perform if we want to keep our place. And they start trying. It's... It's it's out there. I, I don't think so. I just literally don't think they give one shit anymore. But hey, maybe maybe we something can, can motivate them. We we can hope. Um, but yeah, so, some of them who are like Jesse Lingard, he's 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 probably got his mind on West Ham. You know, yeah. probably probably root for the Europa League. Thinking, oh, I might be playing Champions League football next year. But he's like what? Um, you know, there's so many of them players who are who are out at the end of a season, and Matter and Matic, they'll give they're professionals, they're beautiful people. They'll give the fight till the end of a season, even though they're they're going. Some you can't say that. Uh, some have just lost all confidence on where. But yeah, and obviously we, we've got so many injuries when we're playing one game a week. I don't know how we're getting this many injuries, but we are. Well, I think that's been, I think that's been a tough one this season. I think to to give, I guess, Ranjit and Oli a a tiny bit of, I guess, sort of credit and, and letting them off the hook. It's, we've struggled this season to keep a, a consistent team. Um, you know, I mean, the Cavani situation is baffling to me. I, oh. I just don't get how you can go from being available every week last season on top of your games are just never there. I mean, the, the Varane one, I think, is really tough because I just think this season could have been different yeah. if Varane had been around. I, I don't think we'd be up there, but... There's no way we wouldn't have got that top four spot over Arsenal and Tottenham if Varane played every game. It's almost heartbreaking no as well because he, he seems to get injured well on national duty, um, which is always exactly. a tough one to swallow when you send these players out and they come back injured. I always thought, think that's harsh. The, the thing is, it's the worst position to have that happen to because as we've seen over the years since Fergie's gone, average centre-backs forming a partner together and playing consistently can become OK. Maguire and Lindelof together last season made a good partnership and they were fine. I remember, Smiling and I think, what was it? 
Yeah, Small, Smalling and Blint. I think Rojo even even slipped yeah. in there at, at one point um, to form a partnership. The hardest thing is when your centre-backs are always changing. You need to get that chemistry going. And, and the problem you've got is when Varane is fit, he has to play. You, ca- you can't have Varane on the bench if he's not fit. He's one of the best centre-backs in the world. So you've got to play him, but you know that you're not going to get more than three games at a time out of him before you've got to change the partnership again. So that's been rough this season, definitely. That's not helped us one bit. So there we go, guys. That is being episode one of Bring On United. We're excited. We're looking forward to it. Roll on next season. Uh, roll on the summer when we can just start talking about transfers and dreaming of some of the players. Uh, next week, we'll be reflecting on Arsenal. Um, looking forward to Chelsea and probably doing a stock check of our goalkeepers and defenders. I'm guessing there'll be a lot of uh, people wanting people gone. But thank you for listening. (laughs) Definitely. Uh, Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed. Uh, Do give us a rating of five stars on Spotify and Apple, of course. And we hope to see you all next time. Do give us a follow on Twitter. There are a Twitter in the bio. Thank you for watching. This has been Bring On United. I've been Connor. He's been Zach. Goodbye. See you next time. Goodbye.